Courage to Hope with Tony LaGreca is a show supporting the fight for sobriety against substance abuse and changing the stigma that comes along with it. Tony has been helping families, friends, and loved ones discover recovery services as well as coping skills for over six years following the death of his own son to opioids. Join Tony and his guests each week as they reveal the courage to hope. Here's your host, Tony LaGreca. Thank you, Ben. And this is Tony LaGreca here. And tonight I have a very distinguished guest. Her name is Gail Farrell. And she started a nonprofit about 10 or 12 years ago. And as you know, the name of our show is The Courage to Hope. So what Gail has done is she gives hope to a lot of young adults. Hi, Tony. Nice to Hi. see you. Likewise. So, Gail, tell me about your nonprofit and why you got it started. Well, in 2012, which is 10 years ago, um, my son, Benny, and one of his close friends were graduating from the after school program at, that their high school has in Plymouth called Project Growth. And they had been very used to being out in the community. They both have multiple special needs. And um, we were looking at programs. We were thinking about what came next at age 22. And we looked at a lot of programs, none of which we felt were really good for either of them. And at the time, the state was offering a, a flexible funding option to parents with um, children with developmental disorders. And they approached us, um, someone from the state, I think was from uh, Department of Developmental Services, and also the teacher from the program that they were in, and thought we would be perfect to take this flexible spending option and start something of our own. Um, they were offering it to people and saying, if, if you could do it cheaper and better, then this was a great option for you to take this kind of funding and try to develop something. Um, they quickly stopped doing that after we took that option. I think we broke it, yeah. honestly. Uh, <laughs> Um, because I don't think they were expecting a family or two families to come along and create such a unique model. And I don't think they were expecting us to do something that involved other people. I think they were looking at it as a way for just our children to have maybe something in their kitchen as a little business. Um, but we decided right from the beginning that we wanted to involve other people as well. Cause if we were in the situation of not having what we wanted for our young adults with, with developmental disabilities, um, there were probably other families that felt the same way that they would go out and look at programs and not be happy with them. So we started in my basement and um, we decided what we do to keep costs low would be to take household items of all sorts um, and things that people were going to throw away 
and craft with them, um, upcycle and recycle and make arts and, and crafts with those items. So that's how we started. We started teaching Benny and uh, his girlfriend, Elise, um, how to make those things. And then we did craft fairs. We, um, we took the products that they made and went to craft fairs and sold them. And people were so excited about the whole thing. They just wanted to support it. Um, they were very excited about what we were doing with the upcycling and recycling of, of things, keeping them out of the trash. And, um, and just seeing what those two people were capable of making. And they were having a great time. Well, so you did craft fairs, and that's how you were raising raising some money by selling yeah, some of the, the objects beginning. of the, okay. Yeah, and then, in the beginning we were we were we were doing pretty well at craft fairs. Okay, uh, but they, they don't run year round, so they're, they're here and there, and so you wanted yeah. something more permanent. Did, yeah, um, I remember the the location in North Plymouth. Was that one of the? Is that the first location? Uh, Yes. Was that, so um, it was. I wanted it out of my house pretty quickly. <laughs> it, yeah, you know, it was a lot. It was a lot of storing stuff somewhere in my house and um, setting up to to make things in my house all the time. So I wanted it out of my house pretty quickly. And we found a little place in North Plymouth, and we were there for two years in that small space. And we really liked the neighborhood. It was it was kind of nice to be in that neighborhood. Um, we got a lot of support from the people that lived in that area. That's nice. And then now, but now you're paying rent. So now we were paying rent. Yeah. Um, so we knew. And so it was not terribly expensive at that point. Um, and we were and utilities. It was a very hard building to heat because <laughs> it was yeah. it was a converted garage, so it was hard to heat that building. Um, but it, it was a good experience for um, Benny and Elise to figure out what it was like to have a store. Okay, you know, and then to be immersed <clears throat> in that. So was it just the two of them at that time? Yeah, it was the two of them for about a year and a half. <clears throat> and then we had a young lady come and join us, our, our third person. Her name was Amy. And um, her mom came to us when we were still there and asked if it was something that Amy would um, fit. And Amy came in and she was a wonderful fit. She was a bit older than, than both of them. And um, she was a wonderful mentor and became my right hand, pretty much. Okay, so now um, you're, you're taking in money. Um, I'm sure a lot of people would be curious, where does the money go? I mean, I know it goes to the rent, but um, do the young adults, do they get... Um, do they get a paycheck or do they just... Do they, how does that work? So initially, when back then, um, they would get commission for selling their artwork. So we did it on a commission basis. Um, 
And then as we grew, I mean, we only stayed in that little building for two years and then they sold the property. So we had to move. Um, we moved to downtown Plymouth, right on the, wa- not right on the waterfront, but almost right on the waterfront. Uh, we were yeah. just off the waterfront um, area. In the big, you, you were in the big tourist area by far. We were. Yeah. Yeah. You were um, definitely in the big tourist area. And, yeah. A very um, seasonal economy, not, um, not a year round economy, but we did well there. And, and that's when we really started to add more people to the program. But um, yeah, initially it was commission for the art that they sold. Um, and as we grew with more people, each individual usually came in with some kind of art that they already liked to do. So we would have, um, you know, we had one young woman come in because her favorite thing was to make bracelets and she was prolific. (laughs) She made hundreds of bracelets. And so we started her, she came and, and she would be with us in there and be making bracelets and selling them. And we continued to um, teach the kids how to make different, we call them kids because they're ours. They're actually adults, but, um, and we continued to have classes and teach them how to do different techniques and create different things to sell. Um, so in our, our second space in Plymouth, um, we had a lot more space than in the little converted garage. Um, but it was more expensive. So there was more. So the, the funding, I mean, the sale of things helped to pay them. It also helped to pay the rent. And then that flexible funding that we were getting, um, also helped to pay the bills, but we're an all volunteer organization. So this, the program is staffed by all volunteers. It's not staffed by paid staff. Uh, still, ten years later. Yeah, and you—I mean, it's to be clear. You have a a career, but you still put in at least forty plus hours a week at this at this nonprofit. Is that a yes. good guesstimate? Yep. You're there. What yeah. time are you? What time do you open the store? The store we're in now in Carver. We're yeah. open um, Tuesday through Friday, 11 to 6, and Saturday, 10 to 4. And I'm there all of those hours. Um, plus, plus um, I'm chief cook and bottle washer. So I do, I do all the administrative work, which I've had to learn <laughs> because that certainly wasn't my forte. Um, and so I've had to learn how to do all of those things from the beginning. Um, it, it's been a, quite a learning curve for me. Um, I've heard the expression, you know, flying the plane while building it. That definitely mm. applies to what we've done creating a nonprofit. I had no idea what went into running a nonprofit when we started. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of reporting. A lot of oh, yeah. being, a lot of being yeah. responsible for your, for everything that you do to make sure, and then the government makes sure that you really are an 
nonprofit and right. you know, not taking in cash and shoveling it underneath a drawer or something, you know. And having a really good accountant is very helpful. And you and get an accountant to get an accountant. Are you the accountant? Or do you no, we one? have an accountant. We have a, um, a wonderful um, woman who is very practiced um, with nonprofits. And she's, so, does she come pro bono or does she charge money? We pay her a small stipend. Okay. She doesn't charge so, what she's worth at, at all, but um, she's, she's very good at it. So let's go back to the second location. Now it's bigger. And now you have how many adults at the second location when you're going along? At the second location, at, we grew slowly to include um, six adults. Okay, so during those six adults, now there's a room where they're making product. Uh, first, let's ask this, where do you get the product from that you're gonna develop, that you're gonna make into a sellable object? Yeah, um, so we, we quickly attracted, I think is the word, attracted a large number of people who were very happy to save things for us um, and bring them and donate them. Um, about 95% of what we use in the production of art and things we call product um, is donated. So um, we would put on Facebook, we have an active Facebook page. We have over 900 followers on Facebook. So what is, your, would, what is the Facebook page? Um, oh. www.facebook.com backslash new again, Inc. All one new word. again, new again. Okay. That's one word. New again, INC. Um, yeah. The name of the nonprofit is new again. Um, and then our new store has a new name. So it is. <laughs> We're going to work our way up to that. Yeah. So now you're, you're, you're new again. So give me, give the folks an idea of what is new again. What, what kind of products are you taking and making new again? So, and what, what actually are you making with them? So when we were solely focused on the um, upcycled and recycled art, we were doing things like making wind chimes with teapots and, um, silver plated silverware, forks and spoons. Um, we've made bird baths with pie plates and vases. Um, one of the couple of the things we're known for is we make upcycled art with flip-flops. So we make a sponge holder with a flip-flop and we also make a fly swatter with a flip-flop. And those are very popular products. I could see um, where they would be. Because they're so unique. Um, and then we take, we would take broken jewelry and, and take it apart and turn it into another piece of jewelry, a brand new piece of jewelry or work it into a piece of art. Um, some of the people we work with paint and they paint on canvas. Um, some of them make their own jewelry. You know, they have a style that they developed themselves over the years. So um, all of those things 
were coming about from donated goods. We, we bought and still buy um, very little for that part of what we do. Um, we buy things like paint and glue, but other than that, most of it has been donated. Um, we have a really good relationship with Michael's and so um, Michael's has donated to us and um, Home Depot has been very, very uh, generous to us over the years. Well, that's good to hear. It's nice to have some national businesses that are willing to, to come and step up and take care of a nonprofit. And, and from what I see, it, it gives purpose to the, to the young adults that have this disability and makes them feel like, real people and they're really running a store and it gives them a, you know, I mean, even the average person who's running a store, it makes them feel good, you know, and this can, I can imagine. And do they run the cash register or is that your job? They do now. Um, so one of the things that we tripped over a few times was that um, we wanted them to learn those skills. You know, those skills are really important they don't all want to learn it, but the ones who do want to learn that, um, we eventually applied for a grant so that we could get a complex cash register system that is a touch screen. And we wanted it to be very much like Walmart or Target or one of those stores so that they could learn those kinds of transferable skills and hopefully go on to to a job if they want to do that. So um, one of our success stories is Amy, who came to us back at the converted garage five years later, has gone on to work at Walmart. And so wow. uh, she's got a very good job there and she enjoys it. It's good for her. And uh, we're happy that we helped her get there. She built her confidence up and uh, became very good. She was our first paid employee on the cash register. And she really developed very good skills. That's, that's very good to hear. Mm -hmm. um, so you're working all these hours. Is that because that's what you want to do? Or because no one stepped up and said, Gail, let me step in and you take a day off on Thursday or on Friday or something? Well, a lot of it is because I want to do it. Um, it's obviously um, a passion because it's my son, um, but it's it's always been a passion of mine to work with people with developmental delays um, since I was very young. And so um, I enjoy it. I, it. I don't think it's much work at all. Um, because it's so much fun. I enjoy working with everybody that's there. Um, but I don't have any other people to step up. <laughs> you know, no I one's have... done that. I'm sorry. No. no one has done. It's none of the other parents have volunteered, like to say, let um, me do. Initially, it was the two of us. It was myself and and Benny's friend's um, mom that worked with us. But she went through a really rough time in her life and had to step out um, and, and okay. not be a partner in, in what we were doing anymore. And so I decided at that point that I was just going to keep going. I, I had 
put a lot into it already. And um, I thought, well, I'm just going to try to keep going and see what happens. And it's flourished pretty much. So mm -hmm. that's a great thing. Um, I have a few very good volunteers, but I can't ask a volunteer really to step in and do what I do. Um, I, I'm at a different level as far as what I have to achieve to keep it running. Um, so, but my volunteers come in during the day and they help, um, they help the people we work with. Um, sometimes it's hand over hand for, for a project. And sometimes it's just, you know, helping them take it to the next level of what they so want to achieve. <clears throat> so if I was a retired person and looking for something to give back to the, to the world, um, without a child that has any disabilities, I could just come in and volunteer. That's the type you're looking for. They don't have to be the, a parent. They can be anybody that's capable. Is that what you're saying or is that you're looking they for? Could. I mean, uh, it, it's, um, it's a good opportunity to work with people with developmental disorders. Um, it's also a good opportunity if you have an art background or even a business background and you want to help out the nonprofit and keep us running smoothly. Um, you, there is an application process, like anytime you volunteer um, and you have to go through the application process but we're always looking for nice volunteers who want to come in and, uh, and help out with what we do. There's a lot to get done. And so there's right. a lot of different opportunity to put in some time with us. Right. Now, going back to the second store, for people who aren't familiar with um, Plymouth, basically it was right near the small rotary near Al's Pizza and right near where. Um, uh, Captain John's boats were, and there's a lot of activity there in the summertime, especially. It's actually busy constantly, and I'm sure there's plenty of people walking the sidewalks and everything. And um, what were you getting for an average of, let's say, how many people would walk into the store out of curiosity? You know, people who just like to shop and looking for unique stores. What would be the average? Um, number of people you'd have on a day like a Saturday, Friday or a Saturday, let's say when during the, the peak time. Yeah. During the summer, um, when the tourists were there, um, we would have a really good, um, a, we didn't, we weren't open on Saturdays because I had to work at my other job. <laughs> so we were very mm -hmm. rarely open on Saturdays, but in the summer during the peak time, we did have um, one volunteer who would open up. On, sometimes on Saturdays, but um, we would do all the festivals and and uh, as many we did Sundays and Sundays were very good days. And, you know, we could have 25, 30 people come through the store um, on a good day. Um, if it was a festival like the Waterfront Festival that's held every year, we we could have 60 to 80 people come through. Um, very easily. Um, yeah. And, and we did well, we did really well in that location. Um, but How much did you have to pay for that location? Was your land, did your landlord understand that you were a, a nonprofit or did the landlord just look at you as a, as a customer? 
Um, it wasn't terribly expensive. We did a we did a rising um, rent scale on that property over the years because um, we were there for five years. Um, and but gone are the days when when most landlords will will give you a deal just because you're a nonprofit. Um, you know they want to make their money, and they're not um, not giving it away. Um, but it wasn't at, at the end, it, you know, once we were at the top rent, we were paying 2000 a month. Um, and so we, we were doing okay. We were, we were yeah. paying the bills. That's what <laughs> counts. Sure. Did you, did you get any grant money from the government or from Massachusetts or anywhere? Well, I mean, that's been another one of my challenges is, um, I, didn't have a background in grant writing, but I have written some grants for New Again. Um, and I've also partnered with a couple of people over the years who have helped write grants. Um, and we've received small ones, but we've never gotten one of the big ones. And um, I keep working towards that. It's pretty tricky. It's, it's not really in my wheelhouse, but I'm working on it. Okay. And um, we've just sort of compiled some small ones to to add to the program. Um, we did that when we did the cash register system. That was that was helped out with the grant. Um, and I continue to do that, and will continue to do that <laughs> to try to keep the funding at, at a even keel. Um, but. It, it, it's uh, that's quite the learning curve to learn how to write grants. They some of them can be really, really complex and uh, pretty tricky. Yeah, I, I'm sure it is. I, I've seen others doing it with other nonprofits. Um, so now you're debating about staying at this location, and you know you've got all this, you have all this tourism and everything going on, and. And somewhere along the way, you make a decision to move to Carver, which is uh, probably 10 miles away from where you were. And, and in a location, for those that aren't familiar, it's on the uh, Plimpton Carver, North Carver line on Route 58 in a shopping area. Uh, where is it USA Fitness in that shopping area? Yeah, uh, USA Tr Fitness and Tractor Supply. Are, Tractor are the Supply, big... is, that, that's a good drawing card. Uh, mm -hmm. But now you know you're going to miss out the, the tourist trade. Um, and you're paying about the same rent at the new location? It's a little bit higher, but not okay. too much. Um, you know, we, we're now in the $2,250 <laughs> for, okay. for the space. The, the, what prompted the move was that we wanted to continue to grow. And one of the things we wanted um, for that was for our space to be entirely accessible. And the old place was um, an old building, an antique building, um, and we were not able to make it accessible to wheelchairs or people with mobility issues. And, and that was a big one for us. We, we really felt like we needed that at this point. Um, and then COVID happened. So that was on top of that, that um, wanting to make it accessible. 
And I felt like we, we needed more space. We needed it to be accessible. And we also needed to add to what we were doing um, that we needed to expand um, the kind of skills that we were presenting to the people we work with. So I had to make a big decision. <laughs> and, you did. I was going to say, you, you had to pay the rent during COVID? Yes. And, and we, how did you do paid, manage that? We paid the rent during COVID and we paid, um, we paid Amy because Amy was still working with us for a while. So we did the, um, the government PPP loan to um, help pay Amy. And um, we did a EIDL loan through the government um, because that could be used to go towards some of the rent. So we did those two things. Um, and that was really helpful because we were closed for quite a while um, because of the yeah. people we work with. The people we work with um, are much more susceptible um, to COVID, most right. of them. And so um, we couldn't be meeting in person and it's not, we don't do something that you can do by Zoom, <laughs> you know? No, they you gotta to have- to be there. <laughs> yeah, you gotta, they gotta be there. So yeah. So, so now, now you're in the new location and how many adults do you have working there now? I mean, adults with disabilities, how many? Yeah, we, um, so our goal was to um, add three more people to the program in the first year and we added three more people in the first three months and so it's obviously you know there's a lot of people whose programs that they were participating in were closed at the time um, some of them are still not fully open and um, so people were out there looking they they really need a place to go and you know to be active and to be challenged um, and to have a place to be and to be social that's a big part of it too um, so when we moved in um, it's bigger it's three thousand square feet and it's more there was more space to do social distancing and all the things we needed to do to get to be open. And we don't have a huge number of people that come. So it was very comfortable for people to come and, and get back to um, participating in something fun. So um, now we have 12 people and we have three, um, what they call interns from one of the local high schools. And they are people who haven't graduated yet, but they want to look at things and and uh, get a feel for things out in the community. So they're they're with us on Thursday mornings. Okay, so these are children the same with developmental uh, issues. Yes. Yeah. Um, okay. yeah. They're they're in a program that um, the high schools have programs that that go from eighteen to twenty two. And when they're doing that, they try to participate in the community as much as they can with job sites and volunteer um, positions so that they get a feel for building those skills for after school. 
So now you've moved over to Carver. Um, Chris, can you give us the address? And also, I'd like to know how volunteers would like to know can get a hold of you. And also, do you have a website? Yeah. So, so the address is 160 North Main Street in Carver, and we're suite number one. Um, we have a website for the organization, and that's www.newagaininc.org. Um, and people can get a hold of us through the website easily. You know, you can send us an email on our website. Um, there's also a donate button on the top of the page, <laughs> on the top okay. of all of the pages. So if anybody is interested in making a donation to help us keep the funding um, going and to, to help with the work that we do, we appreciate it. Um, every penny counts when you're running a small nonprofit. So we appreciate yes. anything that... You've changed the name now, Greg. So if they're looking for the sign, it's going to say something different than new again. Right. So when we moved and we wanted to add to what we do, I decided the next the next step that made the most sense that was an extension of what we were already doing would be a zero waste store um, and a refillery. And so zero waste and um, refilling is something that I've been thinking about and looking at for many years. And there was nothing in the area um, available. No one was doing it yet. And so I thought that was a natural extension of what we already do because we already did upcycled and recycled art. What would be the next step in that process. So um, for people who don't know what zero waste stores are, um, a zero waste store is a store that carries things that support a journey towards zero waste. Zero waste is trying to eliminate as much single use packaging, plastic or any other kind of packaging as you can from your daily life. Um, and that's what the front of our store is. So you walk in there and you'll find lots of unpackaged product that it doesn't come in plastic and it doesn't come in any kind of packaging or it's very minimal packaging. Um, and we use a lot of uh, mason jars and ball jars. Um, and there's all different kinds of tops that you can put on those. And then we carry products in the refillery that you can bring a container. You can bring your own container um, as long as it's nice and clean and it's dry and it's sanitary and you can get it refilled with different products. So we have things like um, laundry detergent, dishwashing soap, dish, uh, dishwasher detergent powder, um, we have personal care stuff like lotion. Um, so, so you get deodorant. it in big quantities and then they fill up the, that quantity. That yeah, it's, it it's bulk quantity. And, um, and the products that we carry are organic. They're vegan. They're non-toxic. 
and um, very carefully vetted to to go into the store. Um, we have lots of people who have been product testers for us to test things out to make sure that they were really high quality. And um, so people ask, do you save money doing that? Sometimes you do. Um, but some of the products, you're paying about the same as you would pay somewhere else, but you're eliminating, you know, maybe throwing away those big, huge jugs that you throw away all the time from your laundry detergent. Yeah. You're not throwing away all that plastic and packaging. So I see. So I'd bring my my half gallon or my gallon of laundry detergent container, and then I bring it to you and you'll fill it up. And Yeah, we fill it up. We fill it back up again. And, and the people we work with do the filling. So okay. it's another um, area for them to develop skills. Okay. So you pay so, for the product, but you don't pay for packaging. I get it. Now, and the, of the 12 young adults that are working there, do they actually get any cash to take home with them? Yes. So that's that's the other exciting thing about adding to what we do. Um, we now have more people that we work with who are working on the cash register system because they're more interested in it. And when they work on the cash register system and when they, you know, in the store and, and when they work in the refillery, they get paid for those two things as well as when they sell their art. So it's a better paycheck for them. And it's also a whole lot more skill building um, when they're doing those things, you know, that they're, it's more challenging. Yeah. So a um, couple of questions that you asked me to go back to you. What have you learned in the 10 years since you started this business? The, I think the most important thing that I learned is that um, I can't do it all by myself. Uh, I tend to be someone who, you know, feels very strong and confident and yet when you're running a program like this, you can't do it all by yourself. You have to ask for help. And um, now that I'm asking for help, things definitely go more smoothly. Um, so I value my volunteers highly and, and I don't hesitate to say, you know, I'm over here drowning. Please come in and yeah, help me okay. with this, all this work. <laughs> Yeah, so I'll put a plea in for you now. Anybody out there listening to us that would like to volunteer, uh, Gail could use you. That would be the easiest way to say Gail could use you. And um, I know one of the, I actually, I've, I've met two people who've worked there. I met Benny, of course, for many years. And um, he's a great kid. And, you know, and what's the, this is such an invaluable thing. And I understand why you have to do this. It's just, it's not, you know, it's just the right thing to do. And we have yeah. so many kids or young adults that once they get out of the school program in their town, what's next? You know, and a lot of our regular employee employers are kind of hesitant. And uh, but as you say, you have one success story there with a young girl who's now working at, at Walmart. Right. Right. And, right. Yeah. And she. Yeah. And it's a, it's a matter of getting their confidence up and getting them ready to get out there and 
meet the new challenges that that are out there for them you know absolutely uh, yep so what is the best piece of advice that you've been given so far that you since you've been doing this for 10 years well well the best piece of advice actually comes from my son benny um we have a motto that he says frequently, and I say frequently, um, it's something he picked up from a movie because he loves movies. And uh, it's never give up hope and never surrender. And we say it all the time because, you know, there are times when you're working really hard at something and you get frustrated and and there's another um, hoop to jump through and it's getting difficult and you start to feel down about it. And I always come back to Benny's motto, never give up hope and never surrender. So yes. we, don't, we don't surrender to that and we keep pushing forward. Well, I would say that there's another saying that when you give out a lot of love, you get a lot of love back. And so if somebody out there would like to give out a lot of love and could use some love coming back, I know this, 12 young adults that would certainly appreciate you and give Gail a call would be my first thing I would say. And they can go to the store. Now, just so for people to know that I'm familiar with the area, you're going down Route 3. It's very simple. Get off. It used to be exit 7. I believe it's now exit 16. Get on Route 44 and get off at the North Carver exit where Route 44 and Route 58, very well-marked big area few shopping centers in the area and take a right when you go down the ramp and go north and it's right there about a half a mile up on the left hand side and once you get in the shopping center you'll you'll figure it out you'll see the sign um, and then if you're coming from the Taunton area it's the opposite just take 44 off of 495 and then we'll you go down the ramp at route 58 and you'll take a left and again, it'll be up on the left-hand side. Or if you live in Hanson or any of those areas around Hanson, Abington, Whitman, um, Plimpton, Kingston, just come down Route 58 and it'll be on your right-hand side. You'll see the big sign that says uh, USA Fitness. And what's the name of the uh, tractor store? Tractor Supply. Tractor Supply. Yeah. And it's uh, the plaza is called Carver Marketplace. Okay. And, you know, and Gail will welcome you with open arms. But That's also I'd like, <laughs> the other thing is um, you could use more customers. So we'd like to get people to come in and spend some money and uh, and do yeah. make it a, have it a good cause at the same time. There's no problem with that. You can definitely come in and do a little shopping and, uh, and then check it out and see what you think, you know. Uh, I think you'll be quite surprised. And over the years, uh, Gail has offered some of those things for me. And uh, one of the nicest things was the thing to keep my glasses from getting lost. They, oh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> I forget how you made it or whatever it was made of. We of course, call it an eyeglass holder. It's made um, with T-shirt yarn, so old T-shirts. Um, and... Um, the little plastic ring that's left over when you open a milk or a juice bottle, that little plastic ring that's stuck at the top. And um, we make an eyeglass holder out of that and you can wear it around your neck and it's really soft. It doesn't grab your hair or, or pinch you. 
And yeah. you always know where your glasses are. That's right. And, and that's something that's, what is it, $3 or $5? Uh, five. Or? Yeah, our, $5. Prices are, our prices on our art um, in the gallery are um, really very reasonable. Well, that's what I say. And those are the kind of things you'd say, gee, I never seen that anywhere. I don't know where to shop or something like that. And mm -hmm. I can assure you when you go in the store, you'll find things that you didn't even know existed because exactly. they're making it out of things that have never been, <laughs> never been done before. Yeah. And, uh, we, we do come up with really unique ideas. Yes. They're a very creative group of young men and women. What is the ratio of um, men to females and females to males and that sort of thing? Um, there are more young women than men. Um, but I wouldn't say there's any difference between the creativity level. We have um, one young man who told me he wants to be a jeweler. And I said, well, you know, there's, there's no waiting on that. You are a jeweler. He has a, he has a almost floor to ceiling cabinet in the new store that is full of his art. He works in stone and crystal only. He won't work in with any plastics. And um, his his jewelry is absolutely stunning, extremely well made. He's very very talented. How old young man is he? He's twenty four. Twenty four. Now that's the other thing is how far away from the store do these young adults live, and how do they get to and from? And um, that, that's actually been a, an issue for us, and it's it's an issue for a lot of different programs. Um, transportation is tricky, and and unfortunately, we don't have transportation that crosses from Plymouth into Carver, and so um, every single one of the people who work with us uh, are transported by parents and sometimes by caregivers. Um, so it, it, that's a little tricky too. We're hoping that eventually we'll be able to figure out some funding so that we can help them pay for transportation. So that's a good job for a volunteer. If you're retired and you have a good car, can they drive, pick them up in the morning and bring them to the location or do you worry about that? Yeah, probably not. Um, there is a, a newer program that is using Lyft and, and, uh, possibly Uber to do that kind of thing. Um, but for us, we, we would have to put in some funding to be part of that uh, collaborative. And so right now we don't want to spend the funding on that. <laughs> so we're waiting, but that might come soon enough. But okay. parents are, you know, and, and obviously you have to take into account a lot of these parents are, getting older because we're talking about adults. Um, the, the age range of the people that we work with are between 18 and 40. So their parents are getting older and not, not all of them are appreciating the drive back and forth, but they're willing to put that in, um, you know, for, for their child at this point. Yes. <clears throat> and did I, dare I ask what happens if something happens to Gail? Oh, <laughs> we don't even go there. <laughs> well, I can see that. It's, I mean, it, new again and, and refillable 
would cease to exist if something happens to Gail. So we need um, to. So I, I actually talk, you know, with my friends and family about someday it would be nice if there was a, a younger version of me um, from, from the community that came along and, and wanted to participate and l- learn the ropes and then maybe someday take it over because uh, I just turned 60. <laughs> so okay. So I won't you, be doing you, it forever, <laughs> but right. as long say, as I you, possibly can. Well, based on your activity level, I think you're good for another 20 minimum. Let's hope, you know. right? <laughs> Fingers crossed. That's Never right. So <laughs> got to keep, keep you out there. And uh, so let's go back again and give out those phone numbers and uh, how they donate. I like that idea. I think anybody listening who needs to would like to donate some money. Um, it's always good to do that. And um, I know there's a lot of different organizations one needs to give money to or would like to. But I, I think I think this one is very good because these are young adults that, that just need something to feel important about and they need their jobs. And this to them, this is their job. I mean, if you've ever been unemployed before, you know what it feels like to be unemployed. You don't feel as as um, you don't feel as useful to society. And this makes them feel useful to society. And this is really key to me. It's like you, you want them to, to do this. And besides, it's, it's really good for everything, the economy. And um, it's good for the government. It's good for everybody. Because when they're, if they're doing these things, then you're not paying for them to be in some rehab, some facility somewhere, you know, because Gail does have to work. She does have to support her house, you know. So. Um, and getting these young adults out there and working. So let's have some of those phone numbers and the website again. Yeah. That, um, so uh, you, if someone wants to donate money, um, they can do that through the website. Um, it's www.newagaininc.org. And there are donate buttons at the top of every page. Um, they could also, if they want to send a check, they could send a check. Um, it's 160 North Main Street, Carver, Mass, 02330. Um, and then the name of it is as, as one. But the name that's above the door that the mailman sees is what? Again? Yeah, well, if you're going to write a check, you would have to make a check out to New Again Inc., because that's the name of the nonprofit. Okay. Um, but you can also support us by coming into the store because all of the purchases, whether it's art in the gallery or whether it's in the zero waste store or refillery, all of the funds from purchases go towards supporting the nonprofit. So the store, okay. the name of the store is refillable. That's how they find you if they go to the store. Yeah, if you go there, you'll see on the outside of the store. And if you look at the website, you'll see pictures. Um, the sign on the on the store says refillable. Okay. And it's a, it's a tree. The logo is a tree. And on one set side, there's nothing growing. And on the other side, the tree is has leaves because it goes from having... Uh, you know, not, not growing to growing. That's very good. Um, I like that. And so 
whatever we can do to make this work, uh, that's that's the key. And I assume if somebody would like to give you a nice donation, like $1,000 or $2,000, you'll send them the letter so they can show it to their their accountant or tax person so they'll get their, their yeah. tax allotment next year, I, right? I don't know exactly because I'm, I'm not an accountant. I don't know exactly how... Um deductions are working these days with, uh, for nonprofit donations, but I think there's still something there for. Oh yeah. Oh no, it, it works fine. Donations. It works fine. You know, I've been involved with that and they can take it off their income and, and just think about it. You'd rather give it to the, to Gail and her organization than to uncle Sam, you know? So. Yeah. Yeah, right. absolutely. And we appreciate every penny. So it's a, it's a good thing. Um, we also have a donation jar next to the cash register. So people put their change in it. And that's why we say every penny counts. It adds up. Oh, yeah. That'll work, too. Yes. So, Gail, we want to thank you for your time. And I know you're a busy person. You're running a, two companies, basically. You're running your own salon. And you're also running this organization. So mm-hmm. um, sleep is probably one of your priorities that you'd like to get more of uh, that's true <laughs> <laughs> yeah been there done that i know what you mean mm-hmm. so um we're gonna let you go but again the courage to hope and th- i just want you to think of the name of our show and how gail is out there giving courage to these young adults with these challenges in their life and and how wonderful it is that she can find a home for them you know to to make them feel important to society and that's really what it's all about is doing doing something for someone else and if you have a lot of love you want to give and you're going to get a lot of love back because these kids are great i know from what i know i know how well they are how well they are with people and even strangers they they will adapt quickly because to them no one is a stranger they're all friends and i think that's what's really key and thank you again yeah Thank you so much, Tony. We really appreciate your time. You're very welcome.